let's talk about you know Epstein Island. It seems pretty clear there was that you've got the Clintons, that you've got people high up in the government who are involved in this stuff. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, well, we know that it's happening, right? Because, I mean, we had the cases against Epstein, and, and then he mysteriously was able to hang himself from a doorknob. And I might add, it, it, it probably couldn't have happened to a better person, but the, it's a that shame that the Except timing. that he wasn't able to testify. That's right. And yep. you've got uh, Gazelle Maxwell. I mean, you've got, yep. the, you've got photos yep. of all these different presidents and celebrities with these kids on the island. I mean, yeah. Welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And uh, today I've got an incredible guest, um, Eros Mackey, with us. And uh, you're about to have a, a really amazing conversation here. Eros, how are you doing, bro? I'm great. Thanks for having me on your podcast. This is cool. You're my people. You're, your fans are my people. So I'm really happy to be here. Well... I met. Uh, I guess we, we met at uh, at the CD t at the convention for uh, Chris uh, Chris Stewart when uh, they're basically yeah. trying to find a replacement for him. And he and uh, I found out Eros is actually uh, involved. Uh, he works for a company. Well, it's, it is his company, Adaptive Ops, and they are a counter human trafficking organization. Mm -hmm. So you know, thinking of Sound of Freedom, which has been on everyone's mind lately. Um, we're about to talk to someone, the real deal. This is what he does. It's what he's been doing for over 10 years is rescuing, uh, children and, uh, and women, uh, from traffickers. And, uh, we've had some and boys and, and boys. Yeah. You forget about the fa that. In fact, it's, mm -hmm. it's disgusting. Um, so we're gonna have a crazy conversation. I think sound of freedom did an amazing job opening people's eyes. But one of the, my concerns with the sound of freedoms is it kind of made it seem like it's something over there. You know, it's, it's, it's over in South America. It's in these third world countries. Uh, it doesn't happen in our backyard. So we're going to be talking about uh, some of the great things about Sound of Freedom, but some of the realities of what actually is going on in, in our backyard and, and how, this, uh, how this stuff works. So, uh, you know, really looking forward to really a deep dive into this massive problem, which I think is probably um, one of the biggest problems in the world. Well, it's probably the biggest problem in the world right now, which is stems from government corruption. So uh, please, before we get going... Um, I do want to thank uh, UVO Commercial Residential Real Estate. Uh, these guys have been amazing. They're doing a great job. The, the marketing these guys do is next level. Uh, we get so many people just pumped about the work that these guys have done. So thank you, uh, UVO. Uh, you can go to their website at uvorealestate.com. And make sure you're following us. Uh, YouTube took down another one of our videos. These guys are just absolute tyrants. Um, so go to Rumble. You can follow us at We Are The People UT. And that's the same thing for all the podcast channels out there. We are the people UT. Uh, Instagram, same thing. We are the people UT. Make sure you're following us there. And uh, Twitter is we are the UT. So let's get all that stuff out of the way. And uh, let's freaking go because uh, we talked for about an hour this morning. And I, after, <laughs> after that, I was like, holy cow, I am excited for this conversation. Because this is a conversation that has... Um, hits home at every single level. I mean, this is, it's, it, it affects everybody. So 
Let's start with this. Um, Eros, tell us how you got started and why. Okay. Because this is like, a, like, who gets into this? It's, I mean, I can see people who are getting into it now um, after Santa Freedom and, and, and since Trump's been in office, there's been so much, you know, infant light shined on this, but you've been doing this for over 10 years uh, yes. when most people didn't even know this was going on. So tell us, how, okay. how did you get involved and why? Okay. As I open that up, you mentioned Sound of Freedom. Right. Let me give a shout out to my industry colleague, Tim Ballard. Uh, we know each other. We've done some projects together in the past. Uh, I'm not Tim Ballard. We operate in a very different way. Uh, but I, want, I do want to congratulate what he's accomplished in the inroads that he has that he has made in this industry and and with that i mean he folk i'm not a specialist in sting operations i've done them but that's what he's primarily focused on created his organization around and we might be able to go back go yeah. into that a little more uh, yeah but i do i do want to get into that the difference is what you what you're doing versus what he's doing yeah. okay so so with that i just wanted to make sure that okay. uh you know i that he knows i appreciate what he has accomplished in that direction. Uh, and now as for me, most organizations, there's very few organizations that are actually direct action doing what I'm doing. I can maybe think of three in the whole world that are literally doing it at the level that I am doing not to diss anybody that's trying. Keep trying. Don't wait for people like me or for other organizations to, to let you go do this. If you feel the call, uh, you're on your own. I'm not telling you to go do this. You know, that's not my liability. It better be a calling if you step into this realm. But, uh, but with that, the organizations that are the most effective are some kind of survivor led like meaning somebody that's gone through sex trafficking or highly survivor informed or advised i am survivor advised but what most people don't know is i'm a different kind of survivor what does that mean i wasn't sold in that industry but i was amongst and raised up i had a stepdad that was a drug dealer he was teaching me how to raise and and grow and prep weed to the point to where it was in ready, full fulfillment ready. We would take it to the distribu his distributors and then the dealers would come in and buy it from those, those guys and they would brag about me. They put me on this pedestal like I was going to be some leader amongst them. Mm -hmm. And let, I also have to say before I go too much farther, my mother was an, is an amazing woman. She had to work 
nonstop. She truly is an amazing mother, but she couldn't be there because she had the work. And then my stepdad was the predator. Mm. And, but he also thought of me as somebody that was a future leader amongst him and his network. And so we traveled all over Southeast Idaho and he taught me the network. I was amongst the dealers and the distributors. And I always thought it was weird because uh, by the time I became a teenager, early teenager, I was into football and stuff. And I, and I, I was athletic, had my own, uh, my own skills, but my stepdad would lie to the, to his, his friends, to his network about me, like putting me up on a different type of pedestal every time. And I didn't understand why. And one day, so when it comes to the drugs back then, it wasn't really labeled as human trafficking, but the children of these dealers were traded off to each other. I saw it. I saw that they would send their daughter over to each other's houses and those daughters would be assaulted. And it was a trade-off for certain amounts of narcotics or different drug. There was absolutely a trade-off. That is a level of trafficking that is not tracked. There's no way that the familial trafficking in the United States can be trapped and appropriately. It's too hard. They know how to hide in, the, in their constitutional rights. But they were teaching me the tricks of the trade. I saw it happening. I never, uh, I was too young. I mean, I was 10, 11 years old when all this started happening. But there was one day we were at this at this auto wrecking yard where one of the the where one of the distributors was at and we brought a bunch of weed that I prepped and a dealer came in to test it took a big hit of of weed and he just kind of stood up and fell straight backward and bounced his head on the ground and I was standing on the side of the counter with him i'm a kid i'm I, I don't remember if i was 11 or 12 years old or i was right about there and my stepdad and the the distributor were on the other side of the counter and heading home they they revived him he was he was okay heading home my stepdad said you know eros if you were a good boy scout you would have caught him you see, and I, I realized something that he was doing. I heard these guys use what these kids were interested in in order to manipulate them. And he knew that every month I would get the Boys Life magazine, and I wanted to be one of those kids. I would look and see the, the uh, what was that? It was like... Uh, like a military kid training at summer camp type thing. Yeah. I would daydream about doing that. And he knew it. And when he said that to me, I thought, 
what do you know about being a good scout? You're teaching a young boy like myself how to how to be a drug dealer and how to exploit people. And at that moment, I knew that I wasn't one of them and I would never grow up and be one of them. And I always felt like I would do something about it, but I didn't know what. And then, uh, and then when, uh, when we, I, I, I avoided him, I stopped helping. He was still married to my mom. Uh, there, my mom didn't know a lot of what was happening. I mean, bless her heart. She, she truly is an amazing woman and loved us and, and, and tried to protect us the best that she could. And I, and I don't know why they ended up getting divorced. I think she discovered some of this stuff. I don't, I don't know, but she definitely took a, a stand to, to protect us. And, uh, and, and I know she'll listen to this. And so I love you, Mom. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't blame her at all on, on any of this. But what I do see is that when that, when that change came, uh, my stepdad and I got into a fight. I was, I was maybe 14. I don't, I don't know. I was a little bit. It was a couple years after all that other stuff. And we were, we were fighting, and I wouldn't quit. I did not quit, and he he had he held me down and was hitting my head on the ground, and I just, I just wouldn't quit. And then he finally gets up, and he just looks at me and says, "You're not one of us." And then and then uh, and then we actually had a good relationship after that, <laughs> and then until my mom divorced him and he was gone, and and uh, that is the foundation of who I am. I always wanted to be a police officer, wanted to be in military, but I had this hidden secret that because of where I came from, I didn't think they would want me. I thought once they found out about who I was and, and where I came from, that they would, they would cast me out. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt like that. And it wasn't until later in life that I realized, no, there's uh, police officers that were worse than what I was. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I could have gone that direction. So anyway, that was a, that's a, that sets yeah, the foundation of, of, of where, where the, why I'm doing this. So you've been doing this for how many years now? I've been in the field since 2011. Okay. So how big a problem, um, because you watch the sound of freedom and which again, it's hats off, you know, they did a phenomenal job on that. And the, awareness it's brought has, has been phenomenal mm-hmm. um, let, let's talk about this tell me the difference what you what you know when they when they watch center freedom what uh, OUR does versus what you're doing what is the difference okay well I understand a little differently about what's happening in the trafficking world I know that uh, that when it comes to human trafficking the hard reality is it's broken sons and daughters of God breaking other sons and daughters of God. And I see, I see how law enforcement were, are doing sting operations. It's nothing new. OUR started, started doing it 
um, and Tim, Tim started doing it in, in a bit in a big way. But those aren't new. They've always been doing sting operations, law enforcement agencies around the world. Um, they're definitely open for help if if somebody wants to organize and try to help with yeah. that. And that's what what that was. But I and I've done sting operations. I've done. Uh, some different things. I work with, uh, I tag along with bail enforcement agencies. I used to do bail enforcement. And a sting operation, just so, just, to, so, just to clarify so people know, that's when you pretend to be a perpetrator, correct? That's right. You pretend, be, pretend to be a customer and have the traffickers bring their, their children. But you don't know if they don't have any children, if they're pre- faking it to make it, and then they're going to go get children, go... <laughs> You know, because you you have a demand, you're showing a demand. We don't know. You don't know if that's going to happen. Right, because you said one of the differences, you you care about with a child remembering you as not someone who came in as, as someone who they saw as a predator, but someone who came in just to rescue them. So what, tell, what, is, what does that mean? Okay. I've been really careful about not coming across as the hero. And so I go find families that are missing their loved one that's likely being trafficked. And I will identify them. I'm really good at finding people in dark alleys and dark streets on the bridges, kids. And I discover the circumstances, identify exactly what's happening to them. And I don't just run in and scoop them up. If there's a safety issue, I will be right there to protect them. That has happened. I've literally held on to I've literally held children surrounded by traffickers until uh, help could arrive. But uh, if I can, and it happens most of the time this way, I will notify the mom or the dad and tell them I've got eyes on you need to get over here right now and I set it up so the mom <laughs> so the mom or the dad is the hero to that to that child can you can you give an example of a situation like that yeah that went down yeah uh, there's one one situation I won't say what state it was but the dad was able to uh, scoop up his daughter tell under us, a bridge. Yeah, tell us how that under happened. Under a bridge. <laughs> we searched for a week, and then, uh, you know, and then the, the lead came in where she was. I could have raced in and been the one to grab onto her, you know, and like, we got her, we got her, you know, it could have, could have been like that. But, um, but I just notified him that the lead is over here. You need to get over there right now. And then, and then he got her. And then, and then I move on. I go on and just go find the next case. Uh, and then, well, with that, but I act, actually, I can't say I just completely move on. I make sure that that family has access. I have amazing resources. I have the best people in the world that provide aftercare that people that have amazing therapists and and everything that's going to set these 
the family up for long-term care for their for their loved one. Yeah, because that's one of the things that, you know, when we're watching Sound of Freedom, I'm like, you know what, this is interesting because when it ends, they rescue the, the brother and sister and they get them back in the, in the home. And it kind of seems like everything's just happily ever after. Um, t- tell us, when we spoke earlier, you talked about um, a couple of the 11-year-olds. Would you mind sharing that story? Oh, yeah. It's an, this one's a hard one. Uh, this was a case right here in Utah. So the family was missing an 11-year-old girl, and they reached out to us for help. Uh, we immediately went and identified who the most likely trafficker is in their immediate area. And so do you kind of have a list? Like, how do you know who the traffickers are? How does that even work? Okay. So this is something that I'm going to, I'm going to phrase this in a, in like a quiz thing, because I want your listeners to, to really engage and recognize because I said, I said something earlier that anywhere there is blank, there is human trafficking. And the answer to that is anywhere there is drug trafficking, there's human trafficking. And so uh, we have our, our methods. And, and in fact, we, if, as soon as uh, I get, take on a new, a new case, then that's an, that's an operation. Our operation is the name of the girl, like uh, Operation Ashley or whatever. And then there's multiple missions that go into fulfilling that operation. So that's our structure. So part of those missions is we go to, to the 24-hour gas stations. The street people know who the drug dealers are. If, if you know who the drug dealers are, you'll, know, you'll be able to identify who the traffickers are at that level. There's going to be traffickers at higher levels, which we can get into uh, that are the smart traffickers. These traffickers are dumb. They're cowards. They're, uh, they're idiot traffickers. And they make mistakes. And when they make the mistakes, that's where I'm able to identify who they are. And so we hit the street level and go find out, you know, who is, who is the, the street bosses. And then, uh, Anyway, and we identified where she was and, and what house she was in based on the street intel. And we and you just get the voluntarily just give that to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, it's hilarious. You get you get these these guys or these undercover, kids. obviously. Yeah, obviously uh, kind of. They're not going to just say, hey, I'm a cop. No, I and mean, uh, you're not a cop. You're, yeah, no, no. I tell them I'm not a cop, but. The, the hard part about the way, actually, it's not the hard part. The, the great part about what I do, they know my name. Or they, I'm, I'm confronting them like, like a private investigator. In 2015, I was arguably one of the busiest private investigators in the Western U.S. I had, I had a lot of PI work. I did a lot all over the Western U.S. And, and so I navigate this almost like a police investigator would. But as a private investigator, you know, and I mean, I might as well have the, the fedora and, <laughs> you know, and I, but I would go in and, and I just start asking questions and, and, uh, and I'm looking for indicators and tells. And if they start showing signs of deception, I key in on that. And I tried to avoid it so they don't go that direction. And I, I make, I use social engineering and, and get them 
I find what they need, what they want. And, and most of the time they want help these guys out there. And when they, and they, and I appeal to their humanity and when they, when these guys found out that there is an 11 year old girl that a family actually cares about and wants back, um, they just, they just tell us. And here's what's, here's what's crazy about that underground society is those guys that have high ego, you know, I'm protecting the family. I ain't no rat. I'm not going to bear. <laughs> they get ratted out by the street bosses, starry street bosses, but people need to know you're the rats. <laughs> they, they tell, they rat out the little guys and the little guys get, get put away. And the little guys are the ones that are the, the loyal. It's all in the family. We're not, I'm never going <laughs> to. Yeah, no, that's not. That's not how it is. That's the movies. But anyway, so we found where they were. Going back to the 11-year-old. Going back to the 11-year-old. We got in the house and identified her. She was in there. Not only that, she was in there with a friend. So we got her out of the house. The, the homeowners were ticked. But we had enough info that we could enter Whereas law enforcement, it's different because they're protected by people are protected from government through the constitution. Right. Uh, civilians are protected through statutes and law ordinances and stuff from each other, not the constitution. And so we know how to, how to navigate that. And, and we were, um, in fact, here's, here's my, here's one of my secrets. I'm just going to tell you <laughs> my authority comes from the dad. Oh, if you know, ass, if you know your child is in the neighbor's house, you, have you right. know it, That's right. That's you know it. Who's going to stop you from going in and getting your child? There is no law. That there is no ordinance. That you can have keep that you. authority. That's true. Yeah. So I just, I just contract with the, with the parents. That makes and get, sense. Yeah. And get that. That's all the government has. Custodial the government, rights. Government works the same way. You give authority to the government to work on your behalf. That's right. Yeah, but but they still have to operate in the bounds of the Constitution. Right. right. I don't. Right. It, but there's laws and statutes that affect me. Right. But if I'm working directly with law enforcement, then it then it does. So, so you bust the girls out. Yes, and we uh, we get them out. They're in their vehicle and. Uh, the girls are upset. They're, they're angry. They hadn't been harmed yet. But they've been told a story that their parents don't understand them. They're not being treated right. They deserve so much more in this life. That is the traps. These, these traffickers will, will lay out they, they know that kids will respond to a little bit of promiscuity. They do. And they lay these traps out. And then when the kids step in them, then they lay it on really thick. They figure it out. And they, they definitely want kids and people to have. Uh, I had a trafficker himself tell me, we're looking for girls with daddy issues. You know, so if you're a dad and you're hearing this, be your, be your daughter's hero. Be the one that is telling her that she's beautiful, 
that you love her, that she's a daughter of God. Because if you don't, traffickers and predators will. Not all traffickers are predators, but all predators are, not all predators are traffickers, but all traffickers are predators. Some predator is going to say those words to your daughter, and it's going to ring something in her heart. But if her and dad would, tells it first. And I would say if her dad tells that to her mother, too, because that's where it starts. Yes. Because love I'll tell you what, mother. if dad doesn't love mother and they, and they break up uh, or if they have an abusive relationship, that girl does not think she will be loved either. And uh, so you can think so you're a great true. daughter, but if, you're divor- if you divorce that girl's mother, that girl's going to have da- daddy issues. So, it, so to me, it starts true. with being be a, be a damn good husband. That's like, right. Be a man. That's the problem with this country is we don't have men. And then if we think of a man because I'm macho or I'm this, no, a man takes care of his wife, you know, and, and even if you've missed, made a mistake, you've divorced, better step up and become a man who honors his wife in a way that his daughters say, that's the way I should be treated and I'm worthy. Uh-huh. And then treat your daughter the same way. Amen, brother. Okay, so that's go on. where so, it's really worth So you get at. these girls and then what happens? Oh, okay. So we get them back to their house. I've dealt with children before. Um, but, but they weren't in this kind of broken condition. There was nowhere we could keep them. Um, the family knew that they, that they could only provide so much supervision because that trafficker had an invisible leash on these girls, and these girls wanted to be there. And so I was in contact with the AG. I was in contact with every possible uh uh, aftercare facility, anything I could think of. We needed these girls to get some serious help to help break that invisible leash that was on them. And the only thing we could do is get them back into their families. And their families were good families. And they, were re- they wanted to, to, to help these girls. But, uh, but the, uh, within a day and a half, one of the girls ran away, went back to that trafficker, he raped her and almost killed her. And she was, she was literally put in the emergency room. Barely survived. Three or four days later, the other girl got a hold of, of some pills and tried to kill herself. And she was in the emergency room. Both these girls were in the emergency room at the same time. There was nothing anybody could do. We didn't have resources. There is no resources that I'm aware of for human trafficking victims in in any state. That the, the early early uh, or, or adolescent preteens, if they were 12, there was some places I could have taken them, but they were 11 years old, and there wasn't anything we could do about it, and so. You know, I still don't have the solution to it, but maybe somebody out there in the world, maybe some one of your listeners, maybe maybe as we collectively come together, we can come up with some ideas to solve that part of the problem. We need we need our our government and our people, our nonprofit organizations. We need everybody to come together and get creative in order to to solve this kind of an issue because that's our future. It's children, our future, and they're under attack. That's, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, honestly, I don't know how you, that's, you've got to be 
I can't imagine how strong you got to be to experience this. Um, so let me ask you another question because that, and, and part of this is me just trying to piece the, put the pieces together with the sound of freedom and, and what, and what else goes on because it focused so much on something outside of America. Mm-hmm. How much of a problem is trafficking in America? Well, the, the whole world is horrible. Um, in, when it comes to human trafficking, the United States is really bad. Um, in fact, I could bounce the question back as how bad is pornography in the United States? Because that directly fuels human trafficking and child exploitation. And there's different levels of trafficking. Uh, there, I count human trafficking as, well, the official definition is uh, force, fraud, coercion uh, it, that, that is used in order to get gain at all. That's human trafficking, um, I, I, you know, in, in that direction. But uh, even a man that tricks a girl out of, out of a nude photo and then sells that, he's trafficking her image. That's human trafficking. In my lived experience, you know, being directly in the field, I don't see a difference. Now, I don't want to minimize the, the gorilla trafficking. That's the, the brute force, the person that does get kidnapped and, and is trafficked and exploited. That does happen. It's not very common. They don't get away with it uh, at, at the, the surface level. Um, and so what society doesn't need to be as afraid of that kind of a thing. I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, Oh, I saw this, there was this van that came by, you know, and they were, there was somebody, I thought they were stalking me and, and that might be the case, but it's probably not a trafficker. It's probably a predator in general. Predators are desperate. They're not going to have exit strategies. Trafficker, they don't get away with that. They just don't, uh, look at Elizabeth smart that. That with her with her case, that well, wasn't well, a you hear about like stuff at Disneyland, and you hear about you know kids going missing. You hear about you know I, I know I used to work with the guy from the FBI, and when I was living in Florida, he said he left the FBI because every he says they were such a problem. Every time they would start chasing this stuff down, it got to once they got close enough, it got to a high and escalated, and then all of a sudden it would get shut down from above. Like the like like the like the high up in the FBI would never let them really go after these the kingpins, and so he finally left and created his own organization, kind of like what you've done. And he went out and started doing it privately, yeah. Because at a federal level, um, anytime they started getting really close to the, this stuff, it was seemed that he said it was getting shut down. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's a really important factor to understand. Now I indicated that I I go and I help families, uh, I'll, I'll put a packet together for law enforcement that they can, they can kind of utilize. But, but really what's happening is people misunderstand the role of law enforcement and government. Um, first of all, they have to operate in the bounds of the Constitution. We don't want them to not. Oh, that would be horrible. Sure, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they must stay in those bounds. And uh, and because of that, 
the traffickers understand it. And, and I, I explained to you that I'm dealing with idiot traffickers. They make mistakes. They are the ones that get arrested and things like that. Uh, but even those cases are extremely difficult to prosecute. Because in order for a crime to happen, there has to be the mental decision to it, the, the mens reis, and then there has to be the act, the actus reis. You know, there has to be those two things for a crime to be considered a crime. And then there has to be a victim for the crime. If the victim will not testify and will not acknowledge that she was trafficked or he was trafficked, which they say that through some kind of force, fraud, or coercion, now the trafficker has effectively eliminated the case for government to go after them. Unless there was somebody like myself or some kind of police officer or somebody that could be a special witness that would be the ones that are on the stand testifying on behalf of the victim because the victim can't do it because they're too brutalized. There's not very often. There's been a couple of cases. One of my they, friends they're, was, they are intimidated up there to just say it and they, they probably feel right. violated and embarrassed. Um, and, and so, so coming back to your question on the, on the upper echelons of it, like the well, FBI let's, let's, guy. And let's just go straight to the upper echelons. Okay. Talk, let's talk about, you know, Epstein Island. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty clear um, there was that you've got the Clintons, that you've got people high up in the government yeah. um, who are involved in this stuff. Mm -hmm. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Who? Uh, yeah, well, we know that it's happening, right? Because, I mean, we had the cases against Epstein, and, and then he mysteriously was able to hang himself from a doorknob. <laughs> you know, right. and then and then you have uh, and, and I might add it, it. It probably couldn't have happened to a better person, but the except it's a shame that, he, that except the except that he wasn't able to testify. That's right. And yep. you've got uh, Gazelle Maxwell. I mean, you've yep. got the, you've got photos yep. of all these different presidents and celebrities with these kids on the island. I mean, yeah. With that, like what I said, and I wanted, I wanted what I had just said to be a precursor for this. Because if these idiot traffickers know how to not provide probable cause or evidence for uh, any kind of conviction, what are these highly sophisticated world leader type people that rub shoulders? I mean, we've got... We've got people from every walk of life that was on Hepstein's Island. Right. This, this and, thing seems to be trafficking, are, right? Because yeah, it's so like you've got, gonna, it, how, you've got it going on at the low level, right? Yeah. Um, with these amateur traffickers, and it seems feels like that's who uh, OUR and a lot of you guys, the these guys are busting is these lower level ones. But then you've got Epstein Island. You've got, um, I mean, heck, I, I mean, are, I mean, are you familiar with the ritualistic stuff in Utah? I mean, there's, I, I mean, am. there's, there's, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with the ritualistic stuff. It came out on the news about, uh, supposedly, uh, David Levitt, the Utah County attorney was involved with some of this ritualistic abuse. And you got testimonies from girls saying that this stuff's gone on and, and supposedly they're saying this goes up in the very high, high levels of, of people in Utah. Um, 
have you heard of any of that stuff? I, I have. I'm, and, you know, and coming back to it, it's like, what, what evidence is there to prosecute that? In order for, to, for something to actually happen, somebody is going to have to be able to be deep in the echelons of, of that. And then they're going to have to blow the whistle. And then they're going to have to have a solid enough of a character that they're not going to be discredited. And uh, is it happening? I, I haven't seen it personally, but I've had... Here's, here's what, I, what I can say about that, that kind of stuff. I have a, 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 an associate in the industry that used to be an actual trafficker that trafficked girls for sex. He was a part of a motorcycle gang. And he saw, he, he eventually got invited in, into those upper echelons. This is in Utah. Uh, no comment. No comment. It dealt with many states. I'll say it was in the West. And Utah is one of the states. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I'm hesitant on it is because he was a part of a motorcycle gang. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say any more on that side of it. But they invited him in, and then they brought him to a different type of meeting or a party, and. This event was far more than just sex trafficking. He was in it for the sex trafficking. And he saw that they had people who were what what he described as special, almost savant-like, people with extreme musical abilities. Um, They even, he said they even had people that they thought could potentially be psychic. I mean, this is getting kind of kind of kind of weird, but this is this was real. Okay, this is not a conspiracy theory type thing. This was something that was really happening. And then uh based based on him. And this is why he got out of it. He said, "I don't know how to describe what was happening other than they were trying to turn them into witches to use them for their own purposes." And, uh, and he, he knew that he needed to get out. Otherwise he was going to lose his soul forever. And, and he repented of what he was doing. I don't know what, to what level he repented, like on the legal side of things and stuff, but he got out and, and he's a God fearing guy, you know, and he has been a huge help in guiding me and how to get closer to the traffickers that, that are operating in the areas that he directed me to. Because that's the thing that's interesting is, you know. And, and let me validate yeah. his story a little bit more. Everything he told me to help me was true. And it absolutely helped me. So take it for what it's worth on the other things he said and why he got out. Uh, I, I don't have any reason to believe that it's not true. Well, this stuff clearly goes on, um, like I said, from Epstein Island to, you know, high levels of government. I don't know what the thing is with people with power and their interest in this. 
Um, I mean, it's, I guess it's, you know, whether it's secret combinations, but I mean, I guess throughout history, right, it's been sacrificing children. There's a, you know, darkness has a thing with, with uh, sacrificing children and it always has throughout history and it clearly still does. Yeah, it happens in scriptures, didn't it? But I, and I, I mean, I know that that kind of stuff exists, but I tend to focus on, on what I can do with my own hands to help uh, uh, affect and uh, change and make a difference in, in families. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not, pull, I'm, me personally, I'm not pulling back curtains and declaring war and things like that. I'm literally, I'm going to let God be the one to declare war against these guys. I am doing what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. And I watch for his hand and I experience miracles. My intel gets me close. I have a master's degree in intelligence. I understand how, how all that works and how the intelligence leads to, uh, or information leads to intelligence, information or intelligence leads to evidence. And, and I use it that way, but it only gets me close. But the times where I bow my head to say a prayer, and then lift my head, and there's the person I'm looking for. 30 seconds different, they would have walked past, and I would never have seen them. That's cool. <laughs> that's miracles. Yeah. And that's stuff that I will not deny. I would burn at the stake before I deny those kind of miracles. And, and I, I'm telling you, Jason, almost every single case where I reunite families, there is an extreme miracle like that. Do you have a rough idea of how many cases you've uh, been involved in over the years? Yeah, um, it's over a hundred. Um, there's there's a lot of, and when I say it's over a hundred, I I struggle even saying the number because there's groups out there that are going after low hanging fruit and they're, they're like, Oh, we're, we're in the, we're in the thousands. We're in the, but you have to understand, I get, I get people calling me and, and sending me information all the time. Hey, there's this missing person, you know, or the, this person's likely being trafficked. And, and I don't jump on those because uh, here's another thing that I'll let you guys in on. I, when I started over a decade ago, I had a call helpline. And I had traffickers trying to set me up. Really? Yeah. I don't see how anybody at, that's working at my level, direct action, can have a call helpline. That doesn't make any sense to me. How are they not being trapped? In fact, the traffickers took my number and started running call girl ads with it. So that oh, if really? anybody Googled my number, it would come up with those, with those call girl ads. Like they're, they're smart. They will, they will do everything they can to discredit you and set you up. And, and some of these girls, I've, I've helped girls get out of trafficking that had been involved in murder, convicted of murder or, or accessory to murder and stuff because they would do what's called a, they would get somebody for a trick and, and they would, they would take this person to a certain area where the traffickers were and they would jump him and rob him. You know, they, they, they will absolutely do that to me if I do that. So I don't, I don't take every case. I find it interesting that, you know, with this, all this buzz right now with, you know, with rescuing children trafficking that you see 
uh, the government and the media coming out calling this stuff conspiracy stuff, and and even bills being passing this or this is no longer you know we're not we're no longer going to do uh, you know criminalize this stuff. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, the bill that you're just one of the bills you're talking about right there in California. <laughs> this is. This is completely ridiculous. So it's been about two and a half weeks. Uh, the uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, assembly women in California wanted to take ch- child sex trafficking and move it from a standard felony into California's three strike laws, and they and she she wrote this bill, put it and it got put into committee. The committee chair and other people were like well if we do if we move this bill to into the three california's three strike law then we're gonna see it affect and put more blacks and more mexicans in jail no joke they were literally looking at a politicized nature of this over protecting their children wow that's why they kicked it out that's wow. why and then and and they were like, we need to rework this because if there if it is in the three strike law, then it's going to put more. Uh, you know, they were they were linking it to political issues. And it's like, no, protect those children. The sex traffic people trafficking children should be the very tip top. They should have been the first ones in there. That's why. And so, is that happening? Absolutely. There's a lot of different uh, reasons. But but in coming back to your your what your statement of, you know, people claiming that it's not that it's not real. Oh, it's absolutely real. Uh, you don't believe me. Come with me. <laughs> Go. You don't want to do that. You only if it's a calling. But it is absolutely real. There is discrediting happening. But at the same time. There's this sensationalized movement of what's happening that I fear people are going to become apathetic from it because they're like, yes, we're aware now. We're going to go out and we're going to do, we don't know what the heck we're going to do because I don't even know what the heck they can do at that level. And and they're going to fall into this. I fear they're going to fall into this. So where do we go from here? What do we do? Okay. Thank you for asking. If you're hearing me right now, no, like I just said earlier, human trafficking is sons and daughters of God, broken sons and daughters of God, breaking other sons and daughters of God. If you have family members, in fact, look out at your family, your close friends, somebody that may have just gone through a divorce, lost their job, anything that can harm their self-worth or their value they are being targeted and there's forces inside trying to pull them to either become a predator or a protector what are you we need to recognize the our neighbors that are struggling or our friends or family who who are in need we need to boost their self-worth because every single case that I ever worked, the self-worth of the victim was battered to almost nothing. In fact, most of these, most of these victims that are survivors now, you, you could almost give them the world and they won't accept it because they don't feel like they're worth it. 
you have to build people's self-worth back up. That's the most important thing you can be doing. Be become a specialist at it. Everybody that's around you, help build them up. Find their worth, build them up, and that will be the number one way to, to strike against trafficking because they have to beat their self-worth down. People need to know that they are a son or a daughter of the most powerful God in the universe. They don't deserve what's coming to them. They need to rise up and recognize that. Excellent. What That's else? the first okay, thing. Okay, what else? We've got to stop the demand. The demand is happening through pornography. It's impossible to stop human trafficking. I am not one of those people that says, oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to end human trafficking. No, we're not. And there's... I, without, without becoming an extreme target, there are groups. I, so I will, I'll, I'll, I'll go around the bush with this to explain this. There are groups out there, even religious groups, that are world powers that are the biggest human trafficking organizations in the world. If you really think you're going to end human trafficking, then that means you're getting rid of that religious sect. And, uh, and, and it, what, what, what are you, can you be specific? What church are you talking about? You know, I, 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 I can't go into any more detail about that other than um, there are, if people could do their own, research and find out where the most slaves come from in the world. Every slave, uh, not every slave, majority of slaves, I'd say uh, I've, I've freed a lot of child slaves that are, that, that are literally working in, in, as slaves in other countries, third world countries. I freed them, majority of them were sexually assaulted or traded off as currency to the management that are helping uh, control those kids. So, so labor, slavery the is clergy, sex trafficking. When you say management and the clergy you're talking about? Uh, no, actual managers. I'll, I'll, we, yeah, we, uh, I'm a part of uh, a children's rescue initiative and, and you know, I'm one of their lead operators with that. And we go, we storm brick kilns. We'll go right in and where these orphans are carrying bricks we're talking six year old children and, and younger they're they get small children because they're they're light they won't break the bricks they have to stand on top of them and flip them in the sun and stuff and they'll work 12 to 14 hours a day and then and then they get raped at night and then they go back the next day and uh you know we had little girls that have major hip problems can't even stand up straight because of what's happened to them sexually and and they and wounds on the bottom of their feet because they're barefoot in this in this clay and in, in the, the where there were gashes or just straight black in their feet and they're you know the majority of the people at the top of those little uh, organizations 
are what I'm talking about. We will never get rid of human trafficking until we get that very large organization to stop doing it. It's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen at, at that level. And then, but, but that's, that's the only part of the problem. Human traffic or uh, pornography is fueling it right here in the United States. We are the biggest consumers and producers of pornography in the world. Right isn't, here isn't in, Utah one of the tops there states too? I, studio I think, saying yes. Are you guys in the I studio so. saying yes on that? I think so. So I mean, would that not also correlate to sex trafficking being high here? Yeah, and and ex- exploitation. I mean, human trafficking is huge everywhere. There, it's just uh, it, it's just a matter of what city councils and mayors or DAs. Let's, let's, let's or, jump into that because you because I know you've got a real concern with the drag shows we've talked about, and yep. um, do do you see the drag shows as a, as having a, a an impact on this. Yeah, definitely. The, the child friendly, yeah. child friendly. And let me start off by this. Yeah, I, yeah. There, I've gone and gotten boys out of human trafficking. I had a dad in, in one. So I've done, I'm not going to say which state it was, uh, but I'll tell you, uh, I've, I've gotten boys out of human trafficking in Portland and Austin and in, in Miami. And so I'm not going to say which one it was, just in case the father ends up uh, hearing this. But uh, the dad found where his son was. And it was at a 24-hour gas station type of a place. And there was an organized sex trafficking group that were raping teenage boys in cars in this particular area the dad found out his son was in that area and he went down there and he hung out to identify who the street bosses are you know and he found a guy and was like hey can you help me find my son he's been missing and and he showed him a picture and the guy went from being helpful to turning like evil like his eyes went he described it this guy guy just turned dark and then was like i just he said, I will not help you find that boy and then threaten the father's life. And the father called me and his voice was shaking and he was just so distraught. And he's like, can you help me get my son? And uh, I got on a plane and I was there that, that evening. And miraculously, it was a miracle. We were able to come upon his son and were able to extricate him and get him out of there. And, you know, and he's doing good now. In fact, I had gotten an update, not, not, I guess it, I, he, he's an adult. He's thriving in life. This boy is now. So with that, I've protected these boys from the LBGQT, whatever organizations. So I, it, no disrespect, I just don't know the, ac- the acronyms in order. I've gotten their own out of human trafficking. I've protected them when there were threats against their lives. Um, now coming to drag. Drag was a thing that came from France. 
and it was an underground society. Uh, it was it was men who were taking what women were doing to uh, magnify and exploit themselves sexually with having uh, exaggerated bosoms, huge eyelashes, big hair. They were doing things in order to try to become more sexually appealing to sell themselves. These women were. The men were taking on that costume in order to make themselves appealing to other men. And, and that's where it started. And it was, it was in brothels and dark areas. And, and so when, when there's a drag show, the origins aren't like that it came from a, a family circus where you're seeing animals and seeing people do tricks and you have clowns there and stuff like that. No, that's not where it came from. And <clears throat> I can't find any logical conclusion where a man would want to uh, try to have that be an art. In fact, I've seen drag shows and well, there wasn't talent. I, I will tell you, quite frankly, I, I, I could care less if a guy wants to do it and, have, and do it as art, whether it feels it's art or it's just his sexual fantasy, as long as it stays in a dark corner. My problem yeah. is when, it hap when they're doing it in front of children. My, my concern is why are you trying to sexualize these young kids unless you're trying to desensitize them and groom them towards being more open towards sexuality? Yes. I can't imagine an innocent purpose for that. So you recently, um, <laughs> Eric Mutzos did a, did a clip of, of a drag show uh, in... in uh, in St. George, St. George has been all over. We had Michelle Tanner here. So you, you guys got a lot going on down there. But uh, supposedly there's a woman on your city council, uh, Daniel Larkin, who has uh, donated money to uh, Drag Time Story Hour. Um, tell me your thoughts on this. Well. Because this kind of leads into what you're doing now. Yes, it does. And, you know, a lot of these these people that are sympathizers and uh, uh, of of the this kind of a community, th there might be some who are who are, are innocently, you know, engaging in what their heartfelt desires are in that in that area and want to protect children. But they are extremely vulnerable to predators. Predators become empowered and emboldened through anything promiscuous, and drag. I'm telling you, is a very vulnerable area for for the predators to get in and uh, you know a wolf in sheep's clothing the, the wolf doesn't care what color the sheep's clothing is whether it's whether it's white black or rainbow color they're going to go for the easiest target and so they're absolutely wanting children to be desensitized and so if you want to have drag reading stories to children, why? Yeah. Why? I mean, I can't see anything other than other than grooming the children to be Yeah. Targets. And 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 so you know, you know a small part of who I am and what I'm doing now. I affect freedom in large amounts with people.
literally securing people's freedom. There was a drag show in St. George, probably almost a couple years ago now. Maybe, maybe it was two years ago. My daughter, we were having a family reunion. She went for a, an evening walk with, with her cousin. And they're like, oh, there's some kind of concert or something going on at the, at the splash pad, the children's splash pad. They get over there, and then the, they get into the group, and they're like, oh, what's, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, the, the person is leading the group in a chant with the fist in the air. We are St. George. And the crowd says it, and then they say, we are here. And they, they say, the crowd said it, and then they say, we are queer. And my daughter was like, holy moly, what is this? This is not the splash pad type activity that she was expecting. She was, she's 14 at the time. You know, and, and so they laughed and, and told me what was, what was going on. And, and so I had a very powerful feeling last fall that I was supposed to start coming out of the field a little bit and start helping affect or protect our own children right here at home because it's no longer in our back doors. It's, it's at our front door. And it affected my own child. And, and you know, I, used, I had an undergrad in political science. I understand the, the impact and the effectiveness that somebody can have when they're, when they're engaged in, in, in politics. And so I know that I will have to fight like crazy to get an inch of freedom in a mile. But I'm running for city council in St. It. George. I love it. To try to affect that. And we, like you said, we have, we have our own one, a city council member that's donating to groups that want to Yes, yeah, St. George needs children. these little house cleaning down there. And Michelle Tanner is still is also running. Is that correct? No. Oh, she's no, not. She's got two years. There's oh, three she's, seats she's, open. she's already in. She's already in. That's right. Yeah, there's three she's seats already open. In. So, you know, if you're in St. George, you know, make sure you're supporting uh, Michelle. And uh, let's, I mean, and, and what an amazing opportunity Arrow's in there. But, you know, as we close, I just want to, you know, say what an amazing experience has been talking to you today and, and getting to know you over the past, you know, couple months. But, um, you know, our listeners, I mean, the cool thing is you don't know the impact you can have. I mean, again, he, you, you did all this on your own. You volunteered. You just, you know, you've obviously spent years doing this, but this is you just following your calling, yeah, you know, and you, calling, and now you're saying, sure. Hey, I'm going to go get involved in the city council. I'm going to fight there. And, um, you know, this is, this is a show about action. And this is a show that really is about telling, reminding the individual that, uh, the way you fix this country is by fixing yourself. You know, the way you fix this country is by standing up and being the best person you can be and fighting where you stand. And if that means you feel inspired to run for city council, and I'll tell you, we got city councils that need, we need people. We need people who understand freedom running for city council because they're infiltrating the city councils to start implementing the smart cities. That's where everything's happening is, is at the city council level. So whether it's city council, whether it's county commissioner, whether it's running for office at any level, or whether it's just getting involved in doing research like some of the ladies we bring on here and, and figuring out what's happening mm -hmm. uh the, the time to fight is now this is the fight i mean we are yeah. deep in it and the time for what's sitting, happening in california is coming here yeah. absolutely the same lingo we're hearing it 
about inclusiveness. We want to be, we want, we want to, uh, we want to have a healthy balance in our, in our society. We don't want to have more of a, of a, of a, a, a underrepresented population in incarcerated than another. And, and they're looking at these kind of things at the expense of our children. Yeah. It's coming here. Yeah. It, well, California's it's, coming here. It's, it's here. So, you know, please stand up, please fight. Um, also, if you appreciate the show, uh, please like, subscribe. You can also go to our website, wearethepeople.org. And uh, whether it's merch or, you know, Patriot Punch, our energy drink, it's, it's actually an amazing energy drink. You can support that way. Help us, help us keep this thing funded. Support our sponsors. Um, but we all have a role to play. So God bless you guys. God bless America and God bless Utah.